I don't mind her growl at all. But there is a point in this song where she's doing that oh, da, 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 growl, and at one point she actually just clears her throat and it stays on the tape. <laughs> Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to yet another episode of 1001 Album Complaints. This is the podcast where lifelong friends, musicians, and just people who get pissed off about the dumbest little things in the world (laughs) get together to complain about albums from Robert Dimery's list of 1001 albums you must hear before you die. We will heap some scorn, heap some praise, give our overall impressions, do some deep dives on tracks. And at the end, vote and tell you whether or not you really do need to listen to this album before you die. Now, we don't have Rob with us today, so we're not going to do our listener mailbag. I know that has become a favorite part of uh, the opening for a lot of people here. But if you want to be included on a future episode, please write us at 1001albumcomplaints1001, albumcomplaints at gmail.com. Let us know what you think, what we did right, what we did wrong. We love to read that stuff on the air. You can also like, subscribe, all that other stuff somewhere. I'm sure you have that option. Write a review, do all that good stuff. Yes, all of the above. (laughs) So this week we have been listening to the album Debut by the artist Bjork. Just to give you a little bit of an idea of what we have been listening to this week, we are going to start off with a quick snippet from the opening track off of the album debut, which let's just get that out of the way right now. It's not her debut album, but that's fine. Wow. We, we, can, we can debate that. <laughs> we can get we into can, that. We can All debate right. the specifics of that. But here is Human Behavior. And we're back. And as always, we're going to throw it around the room for our tweet-length reviews. I am going first to Adam. Hey, this is Adam. And when it comes to my tweet-length review, I can't figure out if I'm in the club, I'm in an art gallery, or in an Abercrombie and Fitch in 1994. But either way, Bjork's debut be actually your past my be expectations <laughs> oh wow okay <laughs> great great is that pig latin right Icelandic latin bjork latin oh yeah we're getting real offensive real fast yeah, sorry all you scandos just, let's just, yeah let's just ruin this one let's right go away. hard yeah all right phil what you got for me so you know i think that acting great thomas ian griffith in his timeless role, Terry Silver in Karate Kid 3, nailed it when he said 
remember the game plan. You win a point and then you lose a point. I want him to experience pain. Slightly paraphrased for, for effect. <laughs> but first he suffers. And that's right. and that's really what this is about. It's about get the point. It's about lose the point. And, and what's going to happen in sudden death. That's really what this, this album's all about. I don't know if we listen to the same album, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Did you listen to her actual debut album called Bjork? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Oh, no. There, there it comes. All right. All right. So this is Tom. Give you my tweet length review here. Icelandic electropop delivered by a wood nymph that <laughs> even the other wood nymphs think is a little much. What's not to love? <laughs> that is my in no Dude. way at all snarky tweet length review of debut by Bjork, an album that I actually do kind of like. <laughs> Incredibly accurate. A wood nymph, yes. Oh, I, I, I get wood nymph vibes all over this. So, this is the 1993, July 5th, 1993 release from the, al- the artist that I'm going to get it out of the way right now. I'm going to call her Bjork for the entire time here because that is how I've always referred to it. I think that's how she's been popularly referred to. Her name is actually pronounced Birk. It's like like jerk, not like fork. Like Birk. Her last name is unpronounceable. Uh, if I can <laughs> Oh, I was so I hoping you were gonna yeah. try. <laughs> hey, not bad. It's pre- not it was bad. pretty terrible. Uh, if we can if we can get like the Wikipedia bad. clip of uh, of the pronunciation of her name and drop it in. That'd be great. We'll drop it in we'll, here. We'll drop it. Yeah. Bjorf Gomensdotter. Ah, so you know what is a little bit of serendipity that was completely not planned, and we are not messing with you here, audience. This was completely not planned. Bjork's birthday uh, was November twenty first of nineteen sixty five. Today is November twenty first, the day that this is getting released. Complete serendipity, no in no way planned at all. I guarantee you, none of us knew Bjork's birthday well enough to secretly make this happen behind the scenes. No, there we're definitely not that organized. Definitely not that organized. In any that way, fact makes me violently happy. Oh, God. <laughs> Boom. Born in Reykjavik in 1965. Basically, her parents divorced as soon as she was born. She had like an activist mother and an electrician slash union leader father. When her mother remarried... She uh, remarried a guitar player, a guy who was a professional guitar player. And apparently that influenced her a lot to get her into music because she enrolled in music school at the age of six, studying wow. the flute and the piano. Kind of her entire life has been music. Like I said, that's first grade. She went to the first grade as a as a musician. As a music student. And stayed as a musician her entire life. When she was That's a very 11, early commitment. That's a very early commitment. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like, they're like, well, you can go to music school or you can go to whaling school. It's <laughs> <laughs> your only two options Let's in 1960. Really sure <laughs> to just offend the shit out of Iceland. All well, 11 of them plus Bjork. <laughs> Let's get this out of there right away. Iceland is real small. Like, it, I know I really that know it, about it has this. Uh, people think about it as being geographically larger than it is because of the way that their Mercator map projection mm-hmm. tends oh, to... Oh, when you stretch the map. Yeah, stretch right. things out. So it's small. There are, what, 376,000 people that live on the entire island. Like, that's the Icelandic population, 376,000 people. It's like half of the population of Wyoming, which goes to show you wow. how terribly yeah. small it is. That's like 
a third of the population of San Francisco. It's really, really small. It is so small that they have a dating app that tells you whether you are related to somebody. (laughs) That is not a joke. No, Um, no way. I'm not joking about that at all. This is this is a practical problem it was a problem where people would be like wait a second we're like first cousins oh damn (laughs) we're not even like fifth cousins yeah we're just gonna sorry about that yeah my bad bumble with an incest checkbox on there i mean yeah pretty much it's a really really small country they have done a lot to promote tourism recently yeah i know like like, 50 50 people who have visited there in the I last decade. There. It was great. Yeah, right. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. They had a, an air, I got $99 round trip tickets to go visit there like eight years ago. Damn. Yeah, that okay. airline is not in business anymore. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, losing $400 per ride. It's really, really small. I think the government was subsidizing the airlines to get people in there because once you get there, right. stuff's real expensive. I mean, it's an island. They fly everything in. So, right. I'll just give you another piece of context for how small Iceland is, especially in the 70s. Bjork gets a record contract when she's just 11 years old to release her first album. Because one of her demos got played on Iceland's only radio station. <laughs> the radio station. You the radio say, I'm station. going to listen to the radio. It, that's what, it, it's just that station. That's it. Good for them. She released an album called Bjork. And, you know, does okay. Is that technically her debut then? That is technically her debut. Oh, okay. It is a lot more kind of like standardy. I think we talked about the album before. Wait, this is that not Glinglow. It's not Glinglow, which is still her best-selling album in Iceland, by the way. Uh Glinglow. It's not that. This is when she's 11 years old, it's just called Bjork. So, she's in the music scene already. She's 11 years old, she's released an album, she's playing around. It's the 1970s, like late 1970s and punk makes it to Iceland. And so what does she do? She starts a whole bunch of different bands. Like I'm talking like 10 bands in the course of five years that she was in a lot wow. of punk oriented and punk was kind of hitting that burgeoning Reykjavik scene. And eventually that sort of coalesces with a bunch of people from various projects into this band called the sugar cubes. They end up becoming hugely popular. They tour the world. They release an album that I couldn't, I couldn't verify this in multiple places, but I read somewhere that it went platinum eventually, not like right away, but it's still a huge accomplishment. I mean, it reached number 14 on the UK charts, number 64 on the US charts. This album, Life is Good, the first album that they released. Also on Robert Donnery's list of 1001 albums, you must hear no before way. you die. So Adam, you might get some more Bjork. Yes. All right. They, they tour the world. They have success. Bjork marries one of the guys in the band. They have a baby oh. together. They get divorced. The second album doesn't sell as well, and the band breaks up. Basically, I mean, it's like a pretty, you know, rise to the top and and sink pretty darn fast there. What what was the what was the sound of the sugar cubes without you know I'm, I don't have it right in front of me. Adam, what, was it in that punkish? Yeah, th- think about it in your head. That's it. Bjork, <laughs> early Bjork with a band called Sugar Cubes. All right, got it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> it's what you think it sounds like. All right, it's like New Jack Swing with like 
it's tough to describe. Yes, it's <laughs> tough to describe, but it is. But like early Bjork with kind of punky I mean, influence. I mean, I started yeah. by describing yeah. it yeah. as New Jack Swing. Well, yeah, That's like where Tony, I Tony, Tony. <laughs> uh, though it would be like what Gunter, Gunter, Gunter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Iceland. I actually love the country. The nicest people I've ever met. Really, like the nicest people I've ever met there. So good. Oh, there's. Sorry, we can cut this. But there's one of the past members' name. One of the members is is named Siggy Triggerger. Just say that three times. Oh yeah, you know Siggy or Triggerger. Siggy or Triggerger. Siggy or. They're my favorite band. Uh, Yo, oh, we, when we edit this, make sure to not include the email address. All righty. So Bjork hooks up with a few producers to make a solo album. Basically, her thing was like, I don't like guitar, bass, and drum-based music because that to me makes people get into these well-established well-worn patterns and I want to break out of that and I want to be more experimental and I don't want to be just putting different kinds of vocal treatment on top of a band and she eventually hooks up with this guy Nelly Hooper who was a British producer after talking to like a couple of different people like jazz musicians different kinds of producers thinking about what type of album she was going to make as her solo debut album as she was picturing it they hook up and kind of do a lot of weird experimentation and end up with this album debut which does remarkably well it is not a it's not like a platinum selling you know album but hit 61 on the u.s billboards charts hits number three on the uk charts this was much more in line with that early 90s uk dance house techno sound which is something that she apparently really liked and said that that's like the most interesting music that's happening right now is basically like the british house scene really it's like when okay. freaking nirvana was out and stuff like that like this is yeah this is grunge in the u.s and she was sort of over that and it's also we you know we we do a little bit of um delving into history here number one song in the U.S., July fifth, nineteen ninety-three. Anybody 93. have a guess? Oh, oh yes, yeah, it's fun. It's way too early for the cardigans. Way too um, early for the cardigans. <laughs> yeah, thirteen-year-old Adam. I I don't know. I get so weak in the knees, oh, I can hardly think I lose. Yeah, yeah SWV yeah. weak. Yeah. That's a great song. I really yeah, like that. Is a great tune. Yeah. Apparently, the number one song in the U.K was the song Dreams by Gabrielle, which I had never heard before, but it is like, it's black female, but like cheesy 90s pop, uh-huh. like acoustic guitar kind of sound stuff. It, it it was pretty terrible. Nothing on SWV, the sisters with voices, as they say. Oh, yeah, yeah, SWV crashes. They really do. It was really good. But this does get a lot of play and a lot of positive critical reception, And one of the other things that Bjork does very well is she takes advantage of the visual medium. And not not only does she make really great music videos. I don't know if you've watched the music videos for any of these. They're they're all pretty darn good. But she also has just very eccentric 
photographs taken of her and like kind of manicures her look to be eccentric and weird and visually striking kind of like an early version of a lady gaga okay sure lady gaga showed up in the meat dress bjork famously showed up to it was like maybe like the con film festival or something like that wearing a dress that looked like a dead swan that she had draped over herself like she's a weirdo She's a wood yeah. nymph. It's freaking yes. weird. I definitely, like, I think the Lady Gaga <laughs> comparison is interesting and apt. I definitely agree that, you know, I, I remember this era, like the mid to late 90s. And I, and I remember Bjork sort of being like, almost like downstream from like Peter Gabriel or something. In that, like, it wasn't just the music. There was this visual art component that was like, very elevated above her contemporary madonna even like those were big like motion picture level productions i recall the bjork videos being much more like visually experimental like you know art house early visual early video art right uh well what would now be considered video art the video for human behavior which was her sort of breakout music video it is very reminiscent of the video for that Foo Fighter song, Everlong, mm-hmm. just about 12 years beforehand. It is her kind of going through the woods in this like surrealistic, she's in like the surrealistic cabin, like singing with one naked bulb hanging above her. And then there's this bear chasing her that eats her at some point and kills a man. And she's tiny. It's really weird and crazy. But again, like I remembered that video. It's very, from it the feels 90s. very heavy. Right. It does, yeah. Any other general impressions of this album you guys want to get out of there before we start diving into the actual songs? I feel like we kind of went through some history, but we haven't really gotten a general impression. No, no, I'm right. I, my, my overall take was just that it felt not unfocused, but it felt like it was trying to do a whole bunch of stuff mm. and not necessarily one thing well. She wanted to be artsy, and you definitely hear that. But then she's like, I also need some radio hits. So let me throw in these kind of random dance hall type songs. But then there's also like beautiful orchestral yeah, arrangements. I, I, it's it's such a mishmash. And I, at this point, still don't know if I like it. Yeah. <laughs> which, I, is, which is a good thing, right? Because I, I really went into this I week. Think, I think that's a good, I, I think I agree with you a lot, Adam. My, my sort of feedback and sort of the either get the point, lose the point is like there there's a lot of like, really polar, you know, this song to that song. And, you know, maybe it was a choice, but like sometimes it's it's tough, especially when you go from something really big and beautiful to what feels like a phoned-in dance hall song. Right? Yes. Um, and yeah. I think we can get into some of that a little more specifically, you know. And one thing that that just as we're talking now, you, you were talking about her, uh, her history of, of starting music school at age six, right? And I, I read something that she did the arrangements on this album. So, like, she wrote yeah. the orchestral parts. Like, that, to me, uh, that is almost a slam dunk at this point because there are absolute moments of genius instrumentally on this album. I, I have a million complaints about her <laughs> vocals at times, but a lot of the arrangements are just fantastic. Mm, and and the agree. fact that it came from her makes me appreciate it a lot more. She's definitely very talented. And I think that you get to a point with musical immersion and being very talented where it almost sort of stops being about your talent. Like you're bored with like, you're like, yeah, like we have a friend that 
Phil, you know exactly who I'm yes. talking about here. Shredder guitar player. Amazing. Has been amazing for a very long time, but it's just like completely bored with like this thing that he is so good at. It's like, I just want to try other things now. Apparently he took violin lessons when he was young and was like kind of a natural, you know, like yeah, five or yeah. six. Not like, not like, you know, Tchaikovsky, but it was like, yeah, you know, he sort of just had it instantly, yeah. you know? <laughs> yep. And then, you know, smash cut to you know 25 years later and he's like i don't ever touch analog instruments anymore they're just so boring to me that like everything has to be electronic and i have to experiment with things all the time it's like you get to a point where you're sort of maybe over it whereas i certainly have not reached that level of proficiency where i'm just over it i'm like it's still challenging for me so hey let's do that now that's now i I don't want to uh well i'll save it for for when we talk about human behavior well, let's talk I about human behavior then. Yeah, let's do it. Great so, transition. So there's something. Uh, we got to play it first, Phil. We got to play it first. Come on. We gotta <laughs> All, right. It. All right. We're going to play a little bit more human behavior. And then there's no So there's there's something right in human behavior. I think it's cool. I mean, this song has a lot of cool elements. It has a lot of the cool orchestral elements, a lot of the sort of like movie score elements. And I think like Nellie Hooper might be responsible for sort of like bringing to life with Bjork. Like I think over the, I know a lot of Bjork's, you know, work. And obviously like she is the consistent thread, right? Through all the producers and all, all the development. Right. So I, I don't want to give... Too many accolades to anyone but her, but there's there's a there's some really cool timpanis on this. These like pitched oh, yeah. drums at the beginning yeah. to give it this really haunting vibe, and they're offset later by these really haunting mellotron like affected string sections. But what the first little thing in this, and I could be wrong, but there's like a cowbell, right? You sort of hear it early, and then probably around like the second verse, you start to hear this percussive, but yeah. And I swear, it's just the sampled cowbell. It's like, it's a guitar lick. Like, I've played this guitar lick a zillion times. This is like blues <laughs> lick one, right? But it's like, it's like a sampled block sound. Oh, you think like they took a cowbell sound and plugged it into like MIDI and then or did like a riff on it? I don't it? Yeah. know, but like, it... it I know exactly the sound you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Because you hear it a couple times and you don't, and it sounds organic. And then they have this faster way of playing it that you're like, that's not organic. It's very, it's a very layered song. There's it's a lot a, of good layers going on in the song. I agree. It's ominous. Like it comes out of the gate and you're just like, Ooh, Oh, something's going on here. This is not going to be happy. There's no key defined by the instrumentation. So the first time I heard this, I said to myself, Oh God, she's singing out of tune. But I went back and listened to it more 
And the timpanis are 50 cents flat off of A440. So you're but like, she, hey, you really do, Evan. <laughs> but she is singing in A440, but in like a G. So it's this weird thing where it sounds off tune, but it's not necessarily off putting as like Ooh, somebody well, okay, just so. being a terrible singer. Right, well, it's it it's it is a bold decision and super artsy and about five times through this i started to fall in love with this song because yeah. it feels like a jacob collier experiment <laughs> yes where he's yes. like let me see if i can trick the audience into you know whatever all his weird crap is that he does by the way go google jacob collier the guy's a lunatic but this tune man talk, talk about coming out of the gate like defining for me who would who very unfamiliar with bjork coming out and being like this is what i'm going to be presenting on the album I think it it shows that she had the ability to be very experimental and to or to let's put it this way. She had the ability to have a lot of time towards putting out this album because she had been in a successful band before. She'd been in the studio a bunch of times before. She sort of knew her way around and knew people in the scene that really wanted to work with her. And she used that time to experiment, which I think is really cool. I think as opposed to using that time to just like do a whole bunch of blow or something like that you know sure, <laughs> which a lot of people sure. do it is the 80s it was like the you know late 80s early 90s right or <laughs> pump out an all house band yeah. album yeah. and knowing that i'll just go straight to the top in the uk charts because this is what's hitting i've got this british uh producer i'm sure she could have probably just cranked out a bunch of number one hits but i really do feel like she's got some uh what's the word you know when you're Ah, fuck it. Not give a fuckedness. <laughs> yes, Integrity. thank you. The, integrity, oh, thank you. Please. Big words are hard. Yeah, it's the I like the not give a fuckedness, by the way. Yeah. I, yes. I think that that's a little bit more in line with her. I think that I feel like she's had like times where she's like attacked photographers that were taking pictures yeah, of her, like she's, paparazzi she's a character. Yeah, sure. Yeah. She's yeah, she's not to be trifled with. Well, yeah. You know, you you make interesting points about her voice. Like, I find her voice, like, it's definitely pitchy at times, but it's, like, it's something about it just so beautiful and so haunting. Like, she uses the... She's aware. Like, it's not like she's... she's Again, it's like Jacob Collier stuff. She knows what she's, she's doing. She knows what yeah. she's doing, right? That, like, yeah. the way she scratches at some of those notes and, like, yeah. She does that, uh, like that hiccup in this song a lot, which is really cool. One of the other things that she does is she, I've been thinking about this more since we uh, uh, did the Elvis episode. We talk about Elvis kind of singing from the bottom of his mouth. That's like sort of where he gets the Elvis sound out of it. <laughs> mm-hmm, right, right. She kind of sings with like these cheek expansions, kind of, I get these kind of like delicate, but it's very open mouth and it's very kind of forward front in the mouth. And it's, um, but it sounds delicate and it can, it can sound endearing. Almost you sometimes almost find yourself leaning in to the speakers to hear it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. She also tends to mix her voice pretty far out front. Agreed. For a lot of these songs, it's, you know, it's a Bjork album. You want to hear Bjork. That's why you're there. Right. Do you, though? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to get to some more songs where Adam yeah, doesn't right. want to hear Bjork. But one thing that I did find was funny is that this was described as a dance hit. This does not seem danceable at all. No. What club are no, you no, in no. where this is the pace that you're dancing at? Well, I mean, imagine. It's 1993. 
You are heavily intoxicated on what? What? What's popular at the time? Well, see, here's what I was thinking. It's like <laughs> it's you did the wrong transition. A lot of people transition from coke into MDMA and Molly and stuff like that. You did the transition into heroin, and then you're like, "Oh, this is the great song for my heroin dance." Like, I'm just kind of <laughs> shambling along here. Interesting. Spin well, I don't know how you would actually sing this song live either. Like I said, that it's it's so odd as a singer i don't know what i would latch on to to find my notes Hmm. if you listen to it it's just so weird but it's awesome so good work bjork yeah i i would like to point out one thing i don't like about this song and i just think it's hilarious right at like 312 towards the end and i I, you know i don't want to say that this actually we could probably confirm that this record didn't introduce this but there's like this mortal combat synthesizer guitar sound it's like dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah. it's it's terrible and i just you yeah. know it really just it just cracks me up anytime i hear it anywhere Yeah, I'll agree with that. It's a, it's a little little nineties. All, all she needed was that terrible air horn noise. There's one last throw thing. that in there. There's one last thing that I want to point out here, which is that if you look up on Lyrics Genius, the lyrics to Human Behavior by Bjork, it is if you ever get close to a human and human behavior, be ready, be ready to get confused gibberish there's definitely 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 no logic to human behavior but yet yet so irresistible gibberish (laughs) they have to parenthetically put in gibberish like nine times in these lyrics yeah i get it i get it because she generally speaking doesn't rhyme and there's not a lot of yeah maybe through storyline in these lyrics i'm always just like hey english is a second language so you write better in English and I write in Icelandic, I am sure. But, you know, I could also just throw a bunch of Scrabble tiles on the ground and call it a language. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Iceland. <laughs> Jesus. It's like the Iceland ding. I know. Number seven I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Again, really great country. You should totally, if you get a chance, go visit Iceland. It's fantastic. I want to go there. It's yes. really beautiful. Super beautiful. Let's move on to the next song that we're going to do on our focus list here. Venus as a boy. that she went full on annoying voice in this tune but this is one of the ones where i think i would just prefer the music tracks as like a weird avant-garde background in a coffee house it didn't didn't do a ton for me although as i i wrote all the stuff i was thinking about as i was walking around my neighborhood today 
I had the chorus mm. running in my head. So it gets in there. It's a good. Well chorus. done, Bjork. Yeah. yeah, you did it. You 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 did the little. Uh, you were like doing brain. stuff outside. Well, I, I I took a walk, which is which is saying a lot for my usual day. I know. I'm I really exerting that. myself. <laughs> Seriously, mm. you went around the block twice. Jesus. Idiot. Yeah. I mean, I did that three times a day, except for uh, when I say walk, I mean nap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but this song has really nice strings. Beautiful um, arrangement. Oh, yeah, beautiful. right. There's, yeah. I think there's a, a xylophone or like a, yes. maybe it's a wood block or something. Like everything is so beautifully so, done. So well done. So yeah. that, I guess it's, we'll call it a xylophone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is so intelligently put in there because it's it's a quartet they, they repeat it four times in every part that it's in and it sounds like they're playing the same thing every time but the first one is just subtly different than the last three and it makes your ear kind of catch on to it in a way that it would fade into the background otherwise because like why does this why is there that one because i think it's yeah. the, the peak note it's a little bit higher on the yeah, second time yep. through and then the third and fourth time through. And it really, it like catches your ear and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I would like to point out that my only other note on this is that it is just so effing Bjork. If you look at the Wikipedia page, there is a thumbnail and the caption of the thumbnail just says, Bjork examining an egg in the music video. <laughs> it's just a picture of her like staring closely at an egg. I'm like, yep, there you go, Bjork. Good on you. <laughs> Damn weirdo. Her high school class photo is her in that egg. She's also like holding her own face awkwardly with the other hand. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's so weird. So weird. I love it. Yeah. So it's usually people who do the 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 overtly art for art just to be weird bother me i don't know what it is about her that it doesn't bother me again it feels genuine Uh, and a lot of times like yoko ono great example i'm like you just annoy the hell out of me yeah she's not good and she's also not good but (laughs) but bjork i buy it i feel like it's it's authentic and she is kind of kooky and weird and it comes through in the music and the videos and the art Uh and it's it's compelling I don't get the sense from Bjork that she's trying to be cool. I also don't get the sense that she's trying to freak you out and be weird, which I also is a, it's a different version of trying to be cool that I particularly mm-hmm. don't like. I think that's the Yoko Ono version of it is like I'm trying to be so weird and freaked out that like you can't even get down with this. That's how cool I am. Like I don't like that oh, shit. Right, right. But Bjork seems like she's just a freaking weirdo. Like if she was in a mental institution, she'd be making this same music for nobody. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so I think I think this song highlights something near the end of the track that'll come up throughout the record. And it's really like I think a, a big piece of her style. She's really amazing at performing a duet with herself. Hmm. Right? Like where she's throwing things back and forth. Like these couldn't have happened in real time, right? Like it's just an impossibility. So I think it's I think it's really interesting. Like here it sort of starts showing up around maybe like three, three and a half minutes. I just have it as a note, but it's a note that repeats in my notes a lot. That like this is sort of something that she just does well. Not everybody does it well. Yeah. 
I totally get that. Well, she also does have a, she has the kind of voice that she can have, like, there's like three distinct versions of Bjork's voice. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. like growl, there's belt, and there's like weird, fragile, pretty. And you can kind of mix and match them and they work really well with each As other. As like characters against one another. Yeah. 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 yeah that's a good point. Yeah, the other thing, I, I mean, like on Monday morning quarterback, this one, like almost 30 years later, I do think the arrangement is beautiful. But I think if it was like not a E drum, like I think a real drum and like an upright bass would sound better than these experimental, right? Yeah, sort you've of got like, such an organic sound with the strings doing these big swells and the uh, the xylophone, we'll call it. You're right. Yeah, that, that would be interesting to hear it re-envisioned hmm. all acoustic. Yeah. York dancing around in a cloud dress. Yeah, like she's a course. giant fucking cotton ball. <laughs> I mean, we used to have that poster uh, on our house on Prospect Street in Newark that had the um, the picture of Bjork, and she was naked, but she was kind of like covered up with a giant leaf and drinking dew that was dripping off of another giant leaf. Uh, it was like, very like giant, odd. like large enough to cover your whole. Like body. large enough that she's her whole. Like you could basically just kind of see from like her shoulders up, um, and then like her feet were sticking out from the bottom. But you could tell she didn't have any clothes. You could kind of see the side a little bit like that. But it was like oddly erotic as well, but also pretty clean. Like you could have had that up in an right. Abercrombie and Fish, and it would have been fine for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I don't even know who bought that poster, but I remember after that it was poster John. got put up there. Oh, it was John. Okay, of course. Once that poster got put up, I was just like, well, that's never coming down. That's 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 a, that's a set piece there that's great <laughs> it's coming with yeah, the house decorate the room around this one <laughs> load bearing yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry a load bearing bjork poster <laughs> uh, all right all right all right let's move on to the next song we're going to talk about here big time sensuality <laughs> Was music this bad in the early 90s? Maybe I just wasn't listening, but this is pretty bad. This is that kind of throwaway, I suppose, this is the attempt at the, the dance hall hit. And uh, yeah, it just, it's it's terrible. And I, I'm sorry, so you mentioned her different voices. Her growl is just terrible. There's a great example at 155 when she... Like, no, just... it's not good and it's it's cringy and it that whenever that does crop up in these tunes it kind of kind of ruins the song for me i was i don't mind her growl at all 
But there is a point in this song where she's doing that oh, da, 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 growl, and at one point she actually just clears her throat and it stays on the tape. <laughs> she's like, oh, da, 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 like, and it kind of sounds like a growl, but it's clearly just her clearing her throat. She works something up in the growl right before it. Oh, I'm totally gonna go back and find that. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I had. I wish I had a timestamp for that. But maybe we can go find that and drop it. <laughs> Also has the bad. I'm Phil. I'm sorry. I'm stealing all the bad, no. the bad <laughs> no, thunder please, here. Please, let's, I'm not going to defend it. So please, I'm all, you know, I'm the synth the, the sax, <laughs> the synth sax. It's just so 90s. Oh God, it is, and it's not even like 90s, like cool 90s. It's 90s, like like uh, like TGIF theme song. 90s. Oh like, yes. You know? Like Zack Attack would have written this song. <laughs> if you recall when yeah, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. This is, yeah. Oh, God, who would sing this? I'm giving this one to Lisa. It's Lisa no. Turtles yeah, all over this. Yeah, it's all over Lisa's all over Oh, man, that's fucked up. Listen, this is a good pop song. I'm sorry. I know you guys are talking shit on it. This song's a good pop song. It's like, I love the way that it's got that kind of minor boom, 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 boom. And then it brightens up over the pre-chorus, chorus. You, it's cheese. Sure I get it. a different it's word cheese. than love to describe your feeling. There's not like I didn't a different say, adjective. Okay, listen. I like it. I think it's a good song. I think it's, you know. It it does go major during the pre-chorus. That is a nice change. A nice Just change. from a song, yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's, a song it's writing standpoint. That's nice. Yeah, That's nice. Bjork is a talented songwriter. She does I bake in songwriter. these elements no different than other talented songwriters from John yeah. Lennon to John Legend, right? Like these little nuggets of real songwriting craft are definitely all over every song for sure. But this is like my biggest problem with this record highlighted on the on the mix, right? It sort of comes up here, so I'll bring it up. Like human behavior crying venus is a boy there's more life than this which is the next track like something whatever than this song you get a lot of like art house followed by shitty dance hall art house like art song shitty dance hall and man it gets old (laughs) get the point lose the point like it just doesn't stop the whole fucking record Your thesis, your initial tweet length uh, review is making a lot more sense here as we go through this. So I I can appreciate this. I'm not going to spend much more time defending this song, although I do think it's a very pleasant pop song and not everything has to have a lot of meaning or whatever. And yes, there's some cheese sax, which is completely inexplicable because there's a lot of organic sax on this album, like more than you would think that yeah, there would right. be. But yeah, yeah, yeah. This is another one of those ones that had a great concept for a music video. Also, in light of how little it must have cost, it is just her in a black and white shot on a flatbed truck being driven around, I believe it is downtown Manhattan, and she's just kind of dancing and singing mm-hmm. on a flatbed truck in black and white. And the video must have cost like 600 bucks to make or something like yeah. that. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of memorable and kind of cool. Like, Alan sent around the Beavis and Butthead clip of, uh, you know, of <laughs> that, and it is, it is absolutely 100% true. It is weird. You know, like drama teacher vibes, like give me a tree, now give me a sad tree, give me a happy tree. Like it's totally true, but it's good. It's still a good music video. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. 
I have one last note on this, and this is this is a major positive for for Bjork. I think there's a major flaw on a couple of these dance hall songs, and I think what it ultimately is is that like, just get a real fucking drummer, right? Like some of these tracks, it's like it's just like, man, I've never heard somebody so satisfied with like playing a ride cymbal on a synthesizer. Just like, no, that's gonna work. That's fine. Just just same sample, like four and a half minutes. Yeah, and. I went, I listened to Post. I said some really kind things about this record last week. Uh, and, and it turned out that the kind things I wanted to say were actually about the record after this Post. Uh, but I, what I'm saying, though, is Bjork got the message, like, where are the drums? Because when you go to Post, you notice that is there's the next more one. of a step in the direction of organic percussion, as if mm, it was a shortcoming okay. of this record. Although the beat and the vibe is still very much you know, there, right? So. Well, speaking of there's more to life than this uh, that you brought up before, I kind of I kind of organized the order in which we're going to talk about this. It's not directly my favorite to my least favorite songs, but it's kind of that. So let's go on to there's more to life than this. the the focus list this is definitely like a clear demarcation point between good and bad right so <laughs> like i know i just beat up on big time sensuality but yeah sensuality a little bit but like this song is just bad bad right like this song could be good its own cleverness got in the way they tried to make it Super interesting and cool with like, but it's clearly a close mic Bjork. She's probably holding a microphone mm-hmm. and speakers in a room playing the backing track. And she's walking in and out of the room. And even when she's in the room, it doesn't sound full. Like the music doesn't sound full. The only thing that sounds full is her voice. It's the cleverness of that sort of production technique really got in the way. Yeah, I yeah. did no, not it, like it. So this is live? Like this is a live take? Yeah. Yep. What ha- what happens at like one forty when she like leaves the room? That's the speakers are playing it in the other room, and she's carrying the microphone with her into another room and like closing the door, so you can kind of oh, hear. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool idea. 
right? Yes. Like, I'll, I'll give you props on saying, like, hey, wouldn't it be crazy? Like, do you remember back on the, what was the Morrissey or the... Um, uh, the Smiths. The, the door yeah, opening the Smiths. sound from... Yes, right. It's like, th- that was a complete failure because they were just like, hey, wouldn't it be cool? And they just, like, ran the volume up. Like, they actually tried to physically do something here. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate yeah. her going for it, taking a swing. Yeah, it was a swing and a miss for me, but a cool concept. So very much... Phil, like you were talking about with the evolution of the drum sound onto post, and I believe this song is on post, the song that I'm talking about now is on post, is that song, It's Oh So Quiet. Yes. I have heard this story. Again, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not. I was not able to verify it for this recording, but that she recorded that song live at night outside, and They were by the woods, and she had a microphone on a very, very long cord, and she would run into the woods for the quiet parts and sing very quietly. And then when it got to the loud part, she'd jump out of the woods with the microphone and do the, you fall in love, simple. Adam, are you familiar with that song? It's oh so quiet. I, I'm not, but that's awesome. Totally. It's, a, what it's you're a good song. You should watch the video, too. The video is fantastic. But that is a like physical manipulation recording technique that's cool like it's you can't actually tell it on the track that she's like running in and out of the woods and whatnot i think that again getting better at her craft i'll give her i'll give her credit for that you know she's taking experiment in one direction and you think hey there's the good parts of it some bad parts of it let's ditch the bad parts and we'll keep the good parts it's good for her my the best the thing i like most about this track is actually as the track is fading it introduces street traffic noise as though she has left the studio, she's left the building, mm-hmm. and that noise, that ambient noise, transitions into the next song, not not on our focus list, but it's a beautiful song, uh, like Someone in Love, and it almost sounds like there's a harpsichord, or, or somebody's playing a harp in an alley in New York City, mm. just the way that they mixed it, and they they have this ambient uh, uh, street noise. Yeah, my favorite part of this song is the transition out of it and into the next one, and it's really seamless and really well done. Like someone who loves a beautiful song, I I have a note that like this like this could have been an Amy Winehouse. So like I can just imagine many different singers sort of of this caliber just singing jazz standards. Right. Although I did I did note that she's not the delivery woman to do what I feel is like a, a Sinatra-esque or like a Julie London song is that it didn't... Again, we're going into songs that are not on the list. I apologize, but... It's not a problem. Not a problem. I, I think that, again, she has done that. Like, you don't like that album, Glenn Glow. I actually do think that's a pretty good album. Definitely her best-selling album in Iceland. And the thing that I actually found kind of funny... Again, Iceland, especially in the 1970s, it's like 250,000 people. One of them releases an album that is like world famous and everything, and it doesn't even, it's not even the top selling album in Iceland that year, (laughs) which is like hilarious to me. I mean, it's the number two selling album, but it's not the number one selling album, which I I guess, uh, you know, whatever, weirdo. (laughs) I was reading the lyrics to this, and I was like, oh, this is what like a bipolar girl at a party says to you to convince you to like leave the party with her and like break into her like old apartment or something like that and have like wild Viking sex on a burning ship type of thing. Like (laughs) the lyrics are the ramblings of a crazy person. Like it's still early morning. We could go down to the Harbor and jump between the boats and see the sun come up. We could nick a boat and sneak off to this Island. 
I could bring my little, and then she pronounces this Jetto Blaster, but she's saying Which is the most charming thing. Jetto Blaster! (laughs) It's, you know... Uh, then we'd have to rush back to the town's best breaker, best baker to get the first bread of the morning. This is the gramblings of an insane person who's off their medications. Right? <laughs> like this is like if you did all of this, it would probably be a fun night, but you are not a functioning member of society at that yeah, point. Yeah, these are red flags, especially <laughs> like it, in 1993 she's born in 65, so she yeah. was 28. Yeah. She's 28 years old. Yeah, that's a red flag. So yeah. Yep, yep, yep. At some point, she's like, we should shave our heads. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There's more to life than this. Why would we stay at this fun party? (laughs) Let's go do crazy things. Uh, Crazy things that would make you, segue, violently happy. (laughs) Well done. Since I met you. preface this by saying this is my least favorite song of the album by a kind of a large degree phil i remember you and i were talking to regina your wife we can bleep her name if you don't want that out there i don't know if you want her business on the streets or whatnot (laughs) we were talking to her about like a movie concept that we had this is way back in the day 20 years ago probably something like that and we're talking it was post-college so maybe 20 you know, maybe like 18 years ago. And we're talking about this movie and we had this great idea. And she's like, all you basically did, all you basically have is a title. You don't have anything else. You have a title. That's a clever title. And you got nothing else there. Like come back when you've written some more stuff and then you might have something, but but you have a clever title right now. That sounds like like something that would happen. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And I think that that is what, Bjork has here. She has a clever title <laughs> that she wrote and called it a day. Violently happy. That's all that she wrote for this song. And that's There's all, nothing else. Yeah. yeah. There's obviously no melody. She did not put any time into defining a melody. This is just uh, just all over the place. Not good. Not compelling. There is one interpretation of it that I after listening to it a couple of times and thinking about where she was in her life might have been writing about. I think that she is writing this song as if she is singing to and singing about her baby and being a young single mother. (laughs) 
and being like super happy about having a baby, but like it's also real tough and kind of drives you crazy because there's that one point like I'm gonna get into trouble real soon if you don't come get your baby, and then they kind of bit 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 and they do that like baby thing there. Um, mm-hmm. I again I don't know I don't want to put myself in in the mind of a person there, but like kids are tough. And having, you know, being a single mom has got to be terribly hard. And there's got to be times where, like, I'm super happy and I just kind of want to shake this baby until it shuts up. But I know I can't do that. So, like, please come and take this baby from me. I'm daring people to jump off roofs with me. Only you can calm me down. Mm, yeah. Which is like the that's Again, that's deep off your if meds. it is in fact yeah right <laughs> or maybe postpartum wow. depression because that stuff is no joke legit yeah one of the more terrifying aspects of being a dad with like a young baby is you're just like watching your wife all the time like are you gonna go crazy because your body just starts shooting weird chemicals into it your bloodstream <laughs> out of nowhere like it's not your fault it's just kind of the way that the body works anyway yeah that sound manipulation at 238 that bait I think that that's really cool. I think that would play really well live. It is a little hackneyed dance hall shit. I get it. But I I do think that that would be... That's the more compelling part of this song that I hate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you could do something with that repeating... That that, uh, delayed beep, 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 beep on a live show. You could do a lot of stuff with that. That's where the band takes a a five-minute solo while you... uh, you go take your uh, your bird dress off and pee, and then come back for the second hour of the show. I have to get into show. my I have to get into my bikini made of like hypodermic needles or something like that. <laughs> you know, second act out. Yeah, exactly, oh, yeah. exactly. Right. Uh, all right, let's wrap this one up with the closing track on the album, Anchor Song, or the Anchor Song. I'm sorry, the Anchor Song. Not to be confused with other anchor songs. I am so goddamn sick and tired of this tired old trope that female pop singers use where it's just their voice and eight saxophones. Have we not heard this enough? <laughs> so hackneyed so, at this yeah, point. So played. <laughs> it took me so long to realize there's just saxophones. That's, that's it. Oh, is that the only type it's of horn? Just saxophones. Oh. Yeah, it's yeah, interesting. Dude. I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it, your brain doesn't jump there. 
right yeah, away. Yeah, 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 agreed. <laughs> yeah, now that now that you pointed out, there's no slidey notes, so I guess the trombone is out. Yep, there's not a really tie tinny cut through hor- uh, trumpet uh-huh. note right. in there. Uh, yeah, it's apparently all just saxophones. That's Which again, is this song about being a mermaid? She's just talking about diving down under the currents and she's going to stay there. It's her home. I don't know. Right. Oh, yeah. Maybe this is death. Sorry. Somebody interpreted this as uh, fiercely Icelandic patriotic lyrics of like, this is my home. Like, I'm going to, you know, live here in Iceland. And I was like, God, we get it. You're from an island. Stop talking about the ocean. Every goddamn song. It surely does talk about the ocean a lot. That's a theme I missed throughout the album, yeah. but okay. I mean, she's talking about going down to the harbor and diving into the ocean. There's a bunch of songs where, yeah, we're, what violently happy. She's, I think she says something about going into the ocean. Anyway, all kidding aside, I actually really like this song. Same here. Yeah, this really this cool. arrangement, yeah. this is, and, and to end your album with this, I think is, is ballsy and it works. Mm-hmm. It really drives home, like, I don't care. Like, this is, this is my music here because you've got an album, you know, with a, a couple of dance hall tunes on it. And to end, like you said, one voice and a ton of saxophones. Thank you. And good night. Like, so, that's just awesome. So are we considering this her first album? Where does this, because I feel like to some degree that matters, right? Because I mean, like, no doubt, like if this is her first album, like human behaviors are really, really cool. Like side one, track one, right? And this, is, I agree, album is a great way to close out that record, right? It's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's just gorgeous. I, if it's her first solo, like, I, I, I don't know much about the Sugar Cubes. I don't know how uh, collaborative that writing is. If this is really the first time when she feels like she owns the show, it is her vision. She's running it with it. Uh, she's running with it. If so, then I feel like that gives it a little more street cred. Yeah, I, I fall in that camp. Uh, she did have way more. This was like her I Want to Have Creative Control endeavor. I mean, the other, the other album that you look at that was like her, you can look at Glen Glow that she put out before this, I believe. Yes, before this. where, But that was just her doing standards. You know, that's not like she's writing the songs. She is producing it's the songs. It's just her doing standards yeah. in Icelandic. It's just her doing Icelandic standards, which is kind of awesome. Again, it is like, kind of awesome, but really, but yeah, not going I, I know what you mean. It's hard to consider there. that, you know. Yeah, it's hard to consider that like the same way that you would consider I. It's me and one producer, and I'm writing the arrangements, and I'm writing the lyrics, and like I'm doing everything like that. I'm giving this as her debut album. I know I gave her a little shit for it before. Because the other option is like the one that she put out when she was 11. And I'm just not going to count that. That's, yeah. Unless you're Michael Jackson, that doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. Herman's Hermits is hardly like Jimmy Page's (laughs) breakthrough (laughs) record, you know? (laughs) Right. So I complained, you know, a decent amount about her voice throughout the album. And I think it is very fitting that in the very last song, I find to be the best delivered line of the entire album. It's at the 57 second mark. She says underneath all currents and she says it and it is so beautiful. And she has such control control that I wish she had actually exerted throughout the album a little bit more. I'm not saying get rid of all of your quirkiness, but 
the fact that it took until this last song for me to really like latch there, you kind of hone in on how beautiful her voice can be. But guys, uh, guys, yeah, guys, guys, Adam, you said 57 seconds and I was inadvertently on the title track, side one track wrong of Glenn glow. And <laughs> I, I just really, I think you should jump much, over there. And go much to 57 different. We'll drop that as well. One, Cause it is not the delivery I was expecting. <laughs> That's a weird album. But Adam, I think that to your point, what that shows is it was a conscious choice to not be that polished delivery for most of this album. Yeah, yeah, I get it. And yeah, you can disagree with that choice or not. So let's find out. Let's get around the horn here. We're going to wrap it up and see whether the artist Bjork's debut album, Debut, actually belongs in the list of 1,001 albums you must hear before you die. I am throwing it first over to Phil. Oh, man. So this is a tough one. This is a really tough one. This has been a really, really, I think... This conversation has given me a lot to think about. It's really an interesting record, and I definitely think it has all of the signs of like things that come for Bjork. I think it's a really wonderful... Man, it's tough. You know, I decided I was going to be more of a curmudgeon. I looked at my first-year stats, so I'm going, no. <laughs> Debut's close. It's really close, but I decided I'm going to be more of a curmudgeon, so I'm going, no. I'm going to like, post a little more. I see post isn't on Dimery's list. I'm going no on debut, but it's close. Alrighty, Adam, what do you got for me? Yeah, this was a really interesting week. I I had really no exposure to Bjork aside from Kristen Wiig doing uh, impressions on SNL. Uh, I, she's been floating around in the background of of my knowledge for quite some time, but mainly for fashion and and weird you know issues with the uh, the paparazzi. The some uh, a reviewer from the Guardian described the album as an indefinable conflation of electronic pop, trip hop, world music, and otherworldly lyrics. That doesn't necessarily mean it's good, but I found it so challenging, and multiple listens brought me around to a true appreciation of Bjork as an artist and a musician and arranger. And so I'm going to say. Yeah, while this is not in my wheelhouse of stuff that I listen to every day, you gotta listen to this. It's a yes from me. Well done, Bjork. All right. Well, it sounds like somebody's getting an early Bjork Day present because <laughs> I'm going to go <laughs> two for three on here. <laughs> I think this album belongs on the list. I think it's really good. I think it is. There are some fun points. There are some challenging points. It's quirky. It's cool. I think she's kind of an important artist, and it's definitely something that is going to come up in terms of you know people our age in conversation, Bjork's going to come up at some point. You want to talk about it. Um, is it a little bit of a longer album than I would probably like? Yeah, a little longer than I would probably like. Are there some clunkers on there? Yeah, there's some clunkers on there. Is it overall a really good and interesting listen? I think it's a really good and interesting listen. So I think you should listen to it. There we go. You're Hell on the yeah. list, Bjork. Well done. Okay. All that is- We're gonna boost that uh, that Icelandic uh, listen rate to two. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's like a third of their population, Adam. Like, we're killing it percentage wise over there. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry, Iceland. That's my last jab at you. 
<laughs> Make it a baker's dozen for the episode. <laughs> oh, man. So, if you liked what we had to say, if you are going to hop in your Viking ship and come over and kill me. <laughs> one more I had to get in there. You can let us know. 1001 album complaints at gmail.com. 1001 album complaints at gmail.com. Uh, you can write a review on the various podcast platforms. You can tell a friend. That would actually probably be the most um, important thing for us in terms of spreading the word. Get some like minded listeners in there. We. I'm not doing this to make money. We're not asking you to do Patreon or anything like that. We really just care that people know that we have some very specific complaints about great works of art by other people who have accomplished more than us in their entire lives. So, I think you summed that up very well. Yeah, yes. It's important to me that people know this. But now we are going to bust out that Albinator and find out what we are going to be listening to next week. So... Drum roll, please. Next week, we will be listening to... Oh, God. I hate this band. It is the album Octoon Baby by U2. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of pissing people off, well, <laughs> there's not many U2 fans out there, so we should be safe on hating this one. I don't like U2, and I, I like, I'm probably going to have to vote yes on this album because this actually is a good album, uh, but I just don't like okay. it. Yeah, as a I band. mean, this has one on it. It's a mysterious oh, ways. God, is that cool, right but, I mean, there. Like, one is pretty. Yeah. Oh, it has mysterious ways on it. it Jeez. I, again, right. it's a good album. I really, I yeah. can't deny that this is a good album. But Bono's such a dick, <laughs> and The Edge. Your name is The Edge? Come on, man. Uh, no, no. When you play as milk toasty music as you two most of the time, you can't be uh, like The Edge. I'd be like, yeah, I'm in a uh, barbershop quartet. What's your name? <laughs> oh, I'm Razorblade. <laughs> All right. No, this is gold. Oh, we got we to keep I these a, for next week. I have week. a story so good for this one. I have a story so good for this one that if I can't make it next week, I will send in audio mail. Okay. Uh, All righty. I like that. Racer Blade has the top hat. Oh, yeah. The, the boater red, hat. The, yeah. the red and white stripe. He'll fuck you up. <laughs> like. Oh, my God. Yeah. Maybe we can dub in that nice barbershop <laughs> harmony over top of that in, in post here. Anyway, listen to U2's Octung Baby for oh. next week. We will be giving you just some more gold nuggets of insight and, you know, mockery and just bitchy comments. Uh, until next week, thank you very much for listening with us. To the very end, I have been Tom. I'm Adam. And I'm Phil. Abish. I thought you were going to say Bjorush. <laughs> oh, that's so much better. <laughs> <laughs>